G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Turning our attention today to women in the kingdom of God. A new book explores how women are adopted into God's royal family, including how they present themselves to the world and how they treat others. It also explores how women should be treated by others and what the price of adoption into God's royal family might be. The author's opening words are, Once upon a time, a young girl dreamed of becoming a princess. American author Lisa A. Saunders wants every woman of God to celebrate her adoption as an heir into the family of the Most High King. Her book is called Daughter of the King, and I want to make a special welcome. Lisa A. Saunders, uh, welcome along to 2020. Well, thank you, Neil. Um, I'm just so honoured that you have invited me to, to sit here and chat with you about my book and about my life's journey as a daughter of the king. Um, it's It's been a long journey, but it has been a very um, faith-filled journey. Well, Lisa, let's start with the opening words in your book. I mentioned them there in the introduction. Once upon a time, a young girl dreamed of becoming a princess. Give us your insights into starting your book with that. And, of course, you've got a contrast there with what it is to be a princess in the kingdom of God. Give us your insights here into Once Upon a Time. Well, uh, growing up, you know, I was born in 19... I'm not afraid to tell my age. I was born in 1959. So I grew up with all of the Once Upon a Time stories. (laughs) So it just seemed logical to start mine with Once Upon a Time. Uh, But growing up in the Deep South, I'm from a small town called, well, I live, let's say I live in Wetumpka, Alabama. I was born in Montgomery, Alabama, which is the capital of Alabama. And in the 60s and so, you just sort of always wanted to be a princess or you wanted to have a crown. You wanted to be the prom queen, the homecoming queen, or on a court, um, or in the South, we had de- we still had debutante balls at that time, and if your family was, you know, of a certain uh, uh, financial heritage, shall we say, and so um, I just kind of grew up in that realm of, of history, shall we call it, and so that sort of set the course for how I thought of myself, how many other young girls at that time, that generation thought of ourselves. And it, it molded how we interacted with society, I, su- I suppose is the best way to say it, um, and how we felt society should interact with us. 
Lisa, Lisa, is uh, there a sense here uh, in that when we talk about young girls and having this thought, once upon a time a young girl dreamed of becoming a princess, uh, if you if neglect the Bible story, if you neglect the family of God, uh, there must be an awful lot of those dreams absolutely dashed because outside of the kingdom of God, it's a very, very uh, fine chance uh, that you'd ever become a princess in a royal family. But uh, how, do you th- how do you think about young girls in their dreams dashed uh, by the thought of becoming a princess? Well, that's true. See, that's it, Neil. You're, uh, my dreams, you know, you're, you, had, you stood a high chance of your dreams being dashed <laughs> because... Then you fell into the to the problem of well I'm too fat or I'm too skinny my hair is too um, curly my hair is too uh, thin my hair is too this that or the other I'm not rich enough I'm just not worthy enough to be a princess until I got to um, a certain night granted I grew up going to church. My first earliest memories were of going to church. But until I started establishing a relationship with Jesus, then I began to learn that I could become a a member of his family, a member of God's family, and that that therefore then I didn't necessarily have to be a worldly princess, princess, excuse me. I could be God's princess or I could be in that family. So your book Because otherwise your book explores the you, journey that you've been on and uh, your place as a woman in God's kingdom. I wonder if you can give us a, a little outline of your journey into your career because you have this career as a neonatal intensive care nurse. So you've got this sort of insight into the beauty of life and uh, of the essence of motherhood in uh, in being able to bear children and, and be a mother and be a leader. Uh, what are your thoughts here as you describe your journey? Yes, Neil. I firmly believe that God it puts you where you're supposed to be. Uh, yes, I started out uh, wanting, you know, thinking that I was going to be a doctor. I was in pre-med, and um, but then, you know, in my little, you know, what, 19-year-old brain, I thought, oh gosh, those classes. <laughs> I challenged myself to take a lot of. Um, really heavy pre-med classes because I always doubted myself that I wasn't smart enough for that. And that was just a lot of work. When out the other side of me was the sorority girl who was, you know, too busy for my sorority things because I was studying and I thought, well, now, wait a minute. This is the time of my life that I'm supposed to be having fun. I can't have fun and do all of this work. So, uh, let me decide, let me pray, you know, pray and ask God, what am I supposed to do? Well, in so doing that, uh, a, a school of nursing opened up at the college, at the university that I was attending, um, Auburn University at Montgomery, that started a bachelor's program in, in nursing. And so, that door was opened up. So, I said, okay, nursing. Neil, little did I know 
that my friends that I started out with pre-med, they came back to visit me. I couldn't go and have fun with them because I was too busy in my nursing program. <laughs> but nevertheless, um, so that was the path he wanted for me. Uh, 38 years as a neonatal intensive care nurse, and those were those were very, very hopefully fruitful years for God. <laughs> um, I, 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 I want, they were very hard years for my family, I'm sure, because a lot of times I was not home for long periods of time. Um, but, and I missed many birthdays. I missed many Christmases, many Easter's, many holidays. But I would always tell myself, if I if I miss this one with my family, hopefully I'm helping save a baby for another family so that next year they can have a good Christmas or a good Easter. And the and the hospital that I worked for had three crosses, a bit, three huge crosses as you drove up. And as I would fuss all the way down the road to get to that hospital and just be, oh, I can't stand this job. I hate this job. Blah, blah, blah. On Christmas Day, I can't spend time with my family. There would be those three crosses. And I would say, okay, Lord, thank you for that slap in the face. Here I am. I know this is where I'm supposed to be. Help me get through this day. And thank you for the three crosses to show me the way. Um, so, yes, that... <laughs> That was my way to, to give back uh, the talents that he gave me. Um, I have a talent, as you can tell, I have a talent to talk. I can talk with most anyone. I would go and pick up babies from all over the southern part of the state of Alabama and be the first person that this mother sees to come and pick up her sick child. So I had to establish a relationship with her right then and there and her family and help, help put her at ease. I'm a stranger. Um, and we would pray. Uh, I don't know if sometimes that offended anyone. I hope not. But it made me feel better and hopefully made them feel better. Um, I've had many mothers tell me how comforting it was for them to, um, to see a friendly face then when they came back to start visiting their babies you know, because they lived out of town, and at least I was a face they had seen before. Um, but that was my mission field. I always felt like growing up, I was supposed to be a missionary of some sort, and I felt like that was God's mission field for me. Now, in doing that, I realized that young girls, because we in... In this town, we had a, a large uh, teenage pregnancy population. These young girls, they're just wanting somebody to love them. They've, um, they've had a, you know, their family life has not been as biblical maybe as it needed to be. And so they were not shown the, the right kinds of love. And so they're just looking for love. They're looking for someone to love them. They're looking for someone to give love to. So we end up with a baby. And and I started hearing a, a, a faith-based song called A God-Sized Hole. And that's when I realized, 
we do have a God-sized hole. God designs us with this area that he wants us to fill with Jesus. So many people are trying to fill it with other things. I tried to fill it with food. I still try to fill it with food, Neil. <laughs> uh, but we try to fill it with other things. Quick fixes. The, I call it where the drive up. Uh, do you want fries with that? Do you want apple pie with that generation? Get it quick. But um, so that's why we have all the addictions in my world. That's why we have all the addictions that we have, because we're so trying to fill that space up with something else. But once you fill it up with Jesus, the bread, I am the bread, I am the life, I am the water. Once we fill it up with him, then we thirst no more, we hunger no more. That's, that's, that's what that hole is designed for. You fill it with what it's designed for, then you don't, you're, you're, you're good. Now, is life still easy? No. You know that as well as I do. By no means is it still easy, because now the devil's just going to work extra. <laughs> Lisa, you've got um, this uh, this fairy tale princess, <laughs> the image of the fairy tale princess, and it's got its consequences, as you say. Let's contrast that now, because you talk about in your book how you're adopted into God's royal family, and uh, along with that comes uh, duties as a member of that royal family, uh, including the way you present yourself to the world and how you treat others. So the consequences and the benefits of being a part of the royal family of God, being a true princess in his family, are very different to the fairy tale princess that you hear about from Disney. True. We have the duties of, number one, um, spreading the gospel, showing others. We are to transform ourselves. We're, you know, um, we're to transform our mind, you know, transform our minds, transform our bodies, um, transform how others see us. Other, I was always taught people are to see Jesus through us, you know, and, and, and learn how um, to become that faith-based person, that follower of Jesus. I don't uh, in the South, we have a lot of, um, you know, are you a Baptist? Are you a Methodist? Are you a, um, uh, a this denomination or that? I, I, I really don't like to label that. I like to say I am a follower of Christ because otherwise I think people get a connotation of um a, a bad connotation sometimes because then that just opens the door for them to um, to start falling back on things that they've heard about before uh, or uh, images that they have from their own childhood. So if I just say that I'm a follower of Christ, then that that narrows that pathway that we learn about in the Bible. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is author Lisa A. Saunders. Lisa's new book is called Daughter of the King. Lisa wants every woman of God to celebrate her adoption as heirs into the family of the Most High King. Now, you might have your own thoughts on what that means. You might have your own contrast. And uh, particularly for women this morning, you might have had your own thoughts about a fairy tale princess life 
whether that actually came to something you thought was uh, fulfilment of that. And you might have your own thoughts about what it is to contrast what it is to be a princess in the royal family of God. Now, some of these things might sound a little odd to some, but these are very quite biblical principles. So if you have a thought or two, our talk back line open on 1-800-316-316. Lisa, part of what you have written about in your book is telling people how they actually get to participate in the royal family of God, how you join the royal family of God. Uh, Give us some insights here into what you've written here. That's right, Neil, because I wanted uh, to start out ensuring that everyone understands, um, I hate to call them steps, but understand how one does become a member of this family. Um, First, you do have to take a leap of faith and uh, step out of the world's hold on you. Um, We accept Jesus as God's only son, that he was sent to earth to live as a human. Um, That's, you know, based off of John 3.16, as well as many other verses, Um, that he was born of a virgin, and that's Isaiah 7.14, that he died on a cross and that death was a most cruel and torturous death for our sins. And uh, one of the verses that I use for that is 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4. Um, and once we've gone through and we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, we've accepted that, yes, he was born of a virgin. We, um, we come down to repentance which I talk about that, that repentance, it, because I think a lot of times churches may not focus a lot on repentance, that that means, to me, utmost regret or remorse for an action or behavior. Because, you know, Romans 3.23 says we are all sinners. And we understand that because of our human nature, we do still continue to sin. But God gives us an avenue for this repent for repentance. Now we have to confess and openly say to God in prayer what the sin is. Now you don't have to, and to my way of thinking, you don't necessarily have to do that in front of a bunch of people. That can be a very private thing between you and God. But for me, I have to go ahead and say it. It's like in Weight Watchers when you have to write down your foods that you eat. <laughs> um, but then uh, we have as a part of, because otherwise I'll rationalize out that, oh, well, maybe, you know, it really wasn't that bad. So I don't really have to say that. But no, uh-uh, sin is sin. Um, then we have to make a plan for how am I not going to do this again? Uh, and that's, and when we have the Holy Spirit, which is, our gift from God, then once we've accepted Jesus, then we can formulate that plan of, okay, I've got strength now, I've got power from the Holy Spirit not to do that sin again. Now, yes, I'm still pro- I'm still going to sin, but true repentance is I'm not going to do that other sin again. It's like one of it's like in nursing. I can make a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. I just have to learn not to make that mistake again. Lisa, 
Um, Let's talk about uh, the thought of adoption here into God's royal family. Uh, The thought here, and as you say, stepping out of the world's hold on you. And really, when we talk about adoption here, changing families. So in some sense here, when you talk about repentance, recognizing that the family that I have been a part of in my past is not the family of God and therefore I want to change and I want to put myself into the family of God and uh, and he invites us to be his children. So this thought that the world has a hold on you, how do you describe that if you're letting go and if you're getting into God's family? Well, I, I think we can all safely say we know the devil is alive and well on the planet Earth. Um, and... He and and you know, and to my way of thinking and what I've always been taught is that as long as you have not as as long as you're not following Christ, the devil's the devil's work is done. He doesn't really worry about you too much because he's kind of got you, and you're just flowing along and doing whatever the world and society says at that moment is okay to do. Well, it's okay to do this because you're not hurting anybody. You're not hurting you. You're not hurting others. Then it's okay to do it. Now, once you become a follower of Christ, then that's when the devil really starts his work. That's why I always want people to understand it's not an easy path. That's why it says the road is narrow. It's not an easy path because now the devil's going to go to work. Oh, my God. He's like, oh, we lost that one. Oh, oh, wait, whoa. What happened to uh, John Smith here? He, he accepted Christ. Oh, up, up, up. Hey, somebody, we got to get to work on this one. We lost him. Uh, let's throw some darts at him. Let's give him some, some bad things happening in his life. But see, now John Smith's got, uh, he's got a Savior. He's got the Holy Spirit. He's got uh, other believers to help him out. Whereas before, he may have had what he thought were friends. They're probably really just acquaintances. <laughs> um but now he's got real true friends. He's got the, whole, the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's got the armor of God to, to back off those darts that are going to be thrown at him. Now, that's the hold that the world has on you. Is that, oh, it's okay. Take this pathway. It's nice and easy. You get instant gratification. Um, but... That's not the eternal path that you need to take. You kind of roll, uh, a lot of times I tell people you're rolling the dice. Um, and do you want to roll the dice and spend eternity with me in heaven? And yes, I'm right. Or roll the dice and no, she, you know, and, and maybe not spend eternity in heaven and spend it in hell. Uh, what, have, what have you lost? Okay. (laughs) Lisa, Lisa, we're talking adoption here and uh, adopting into God's royal family. And, uh, of course, a part of that, and, and, you know, some will say, well, this journey doesn't sound like an easy one because uh, Lisa's talking about hardships on the other side of becoming a part of God's royal family. Maybe that isn't the sort of image that I'd been anticipating when I was thinking about the once upon a time fairy tale image because because you're starting to talk about how you present yourself to the world, how you treat others and how you should expect others to treat you and that's actually that's a pathway that 
you know, has some challenges along with it because you've got to learn how to conduct yourself as a princess in the kingdom of God. Yes, it is. Um, as I tell people, I am uh, honest to the core. <laughs> uh, physicians used to tell me that I worked with, you are too honest. And I said, I don't know that you can be too honest, can you? But I don't, I never wanted to paint um, the wrong picture for families than when I was talking to them about their sick child, their sick infant. Um, I always wanted to, to give them the truth and... Um, then we could make plans. So the same thing, oh, definitely the same thing goes for your uh, eternal life. I definitely want to give you the truth about that. And I think a lot of times we as the church have, uh, we, we now have a generation of, um, we call over here, we call them feel-good churches. And we don't give people the whole, the whole picture so they think, okay, all I have to do is walk down the aisle and say, um, uh, I believe, and that's it. And, and, you know, of course, if you're at a Baptist church, or you're going to get dumped. Um, and then and that's it. That's, that's really all I've got to do, and I'm good to go, right? Mm, and see, that's kind of how, that's, that's the scenario that I grew up with. Not so much, Neil. (laughs) Not so much. Um, So I want people to understand that, uh, yes, uh, you have many different seasons. You have many different journeys, many different pathways. But there is always help. You, You are never alone. You always have help. And... Whereas when I I would go and pick up an infant whose mother was drug addicted and I never wanted to make that mother feel bad about the fact that her infant came 17 weeks prior to the expected time of delivery because of her drug addiction. She already felt bad enough. She didn't need me to make her feel worse. But I did want her to understand that the choices that she had made were not probably the best choices, but God's given you an opportunity now to learn how to make better choices. These people who you thought were your friends that were supplying these um, substances, they were not your friends. Let's help you find some new friends. Let's help you find new ways to cope with... um, things that are going on in your family life because something in your family life has caused you to to not know how to cope with things. I want to ask you, Lisa, about when we talk royalty, uh, there's a bit of a comparison you make of God's kingdom with the British monarchy, and we're all quite familiar with that, as you are too in the US, so we've got a, perhaps a little bit of a different uh, connection there. But uh, your your thoughts on the contrast there between God's kingdom and the British monarchy? Well, Neil, I, um, I, this, I wanted this to be a Bible study, and when God was filling my brain with all of the content that he wanted me to write and and I and I had the manuscript finished in less than a month so when I say he was filling my brain it was very quickly um, it was very apparent that 
I needed to have a compare, you know, he wanted me to compare his kingdom to the worldly kingdom. And because I watch a lot of British TV shows, because frankly, I don't like American TV shows. Can I just say that? Yeah. Um, and so um, I, I do, I, will, I watch a lot of um, streaming British TV stations. And so, uh, and my husband has, besides his love for American history, he has a very much a love for British history. So, uh, you know, to stay married to him, I also have had to incorporate a love of British history myself. And um, so, and in doing so, I've watched um, the series The Crown. And I was watching that, and uh, for probably the, I don't know, 10th time out of 20 times, and I was watching the coronation where she's, uh, she and her father, uh, Queen Elizabeth II and her father are talking about, he's, he's going to be, he's, it's before his coronation. And he's talking about the anointing part of it. And it, and I just happened to be watching that when I was doing some of my writing and it just dawned on me, wait a minute, we should do, you know, that's, that's how we should be, you know, the oil uh, for our hands our hands in service to God, the oil on our chest, that's our heart. Uh, he should, that's the throne that God should be sitting on. Um, the oil on our head, that's our brain where that's the transformation that it talks about that we should transform our, our minds um, for, for God. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is, that is so in line with um, our... Uh, our acceptance of Christ and our walk of faith. And then the more research that I did for the book and learning the five stages of the coronation and um, everything, it just fell into place that, that yes, there were coronation ceremonies in the Bible. Uh, when that's, that's actually the second session um, where we talk about that. Because after you have become... Um, uh, you've accepted Christ as your as uh, being born of a virgin. You've you know you've said that yes, we are all sinners, and you've repented of your sins, and um, you've you know you're ready to become a follower of Christ, and that's you know how you become a member of God's kingdom. Then we talk you know that's the first chapter, and then we're going to talk about <clears throat> the sec each chapter talks about God's kingdom and then the second part of the chapter talks about the contrast of that to the British monarchy. So then we also talk about how one becomes a part of the British monarchy. So, um, And it's interesting if we were talking about that, I mean, and listeners might have their own uh, concept. Uh, what do you make of uh, Kate Middleton uh, joining the British monarchy uh, of Meghan Markle? Uh, well, you might say, does she have a perfect life uh, these days? Uh, think back a little bit. Uh, what happened with Sarah Ferguson? Uh, did she have a dream run as a princess? I mean, some of these sorts of contrasts are very good because uh, you don't want uh, the image of uh, the fairy tale princess. Uh, neither does the 
does the image work too when you apply that to whether you were a member of the British monarchy? But uh, the issues to do with God's kingdom, they're a little bit different. I'll, I'll get your thoughts here, Lisa. I mean, we've got our concept of royalty because, after all, if God is king, then he has sons who are princes and, they, and daughters who are princesses. And we're talking about the princesses today. But in the British monarchy, uh, it's more like a figurehead uh, in our commonwealth, uh, a figurehead institution. But God's kingdom has real teeth, and uh, he is the king. And in, in actual fact, uh, you know, the Bible sheds light on how Jesus, the king, deals with his enemies, uh, particularly through the book of Revelation there, and it's not pretty. He actually has real teeth. So we're talking about real kingdom uh, focus here, real princes and real princesses. So uh, this sort of contrast is important if you're actually making sense of who you are in God. Right. And that's that's why the session that talks about, uh, I wanted uh, women to understand their duties and their, and some of the sacrifices, because there are a lot of women that or a lot of people, I should say, not just women, but there are a lot of people that sacrifice a lot to become um, a follower of Christ. Uh, you think about um, uh, someone who's uh, brought up as a Muslim, and now they're going to start following Christ. Think about the things that they give up. They give up everything. They may even give up their life, <laughs> but they're definitely going to give up their, my understanding is they're definitely going to give up their family. Their family is shunned them. They're, they're out. They're out. They're gone. Um, and now they definitely need that family of God. Um, you, I, I'm sure there are other um, faiths. I'm not sure. I, I, I don't want to speak too much about Buddhism because I don't know a lot about that, but I'm sure there are other um, religions and things that if you step out of that um, religion that you've grown up with and become a follower of Christ, that's not going to sit very well with your family. (laughs) And so the same thing um, with us, you, we, we become a member of this kingdom and you're going to have to have support in this kingdom, but you've got that support. You've got that support through um, your local church, the, you know, your local gathering of other believers. You've got that support and power from the Holy Spirit. Um, you, you've got that support. Lisa, now, how, does, um, how does being a, a child of God, uh, a princess in the royal family of God, how does this change a woman's life and a woman's purpose? Have you tack- tackled any of that in your book? Oh, yes, uh, because, well, you know, all you have to do is go to Proverbs 31, and those are some very daunting duties that Proverbs list for um uh, a, a woman to to have. Um, let me see. I'm I'm flipping through the book right now to to find those. But um, we have to we have to show the world a, a different way uh, to live. That we are transformed. That we have become uh, a follower. That. Uh, just like uh, here, I'm just going to read some from the book. 
It says the writer of Proverbs 31 gives us some pretty daunting duties. Ensure the trust of our husband, work with our hands, make sure the household has appropriate clothing, food, and shelter within budget. Uh, keep the body strong so that we can continue to provide for our family and others. Laugh when the time is right. Provide wise counsel to other women and friends. Become role models for our children. I think that one is a very, very strong one that we need right now in our society is that we have to become the role models for other women for uh, and for our own children. Um, we have to ensure that it says make sure that the household that your household <clears throat> has provision for hard times so that then you can help others during the during hard times i i felt that one was very important as i was writing this during all of the the covid shutdown and everything that if i had not had things had not had my household in order I could not have helped other people during that time. So, as a as a as a uh, daughter of the King, as a daughter of uh, that is following Jesus, you 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 have a different mindset. You look at the world differently. You look at others with love. You look at yourself differently. You. Um, uh, you should uh, definitely, I mean, I don't want to say that you may have dressed wrong <laughs> before, but you want to present yourself, you want your body as a temple now, and you want to present that as the temple of God that it was designed to be. Now, is my body a temple of God, Neil? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you and say, no, it is not. Um I am having to to figure out a, a diet plan for in, inflammation from 38 years of standing on my feet, um, but uh, it, it it you know I, I'm I'm praying and I'm doing the best that I can, and that's the other part of it is that we have to show the world that I don't have it all together, but that's okay. I know where to go to find help. Interestingly, Lisa, um, well, we yeah, might all the, admit that we don't have it all together. And uh, <laughs> you're saying that as a woman, and um, probably uh, every woman listening is going to uh, be in agreement with that. We don't have it all together. But when we have examples like the Proverbs 31 woman and uh, the virtues that she displays, which uh, most women who read that would say that puts every woman to shame because... She is so good at what she does. The virtues of her life are so amazing. Yet those virtues, they, they make an aspiration for womanhood, don't they? They give women something to aim for. They do. And that's what I say, is that um, besides those things, we're not to also forget that as a disciple of Christ, we are to go out, as the Great Commission tells us, and help others become disciples of Christ as well. And I, and I say, now let's get real, ladies. The woman described in Proverbs 31 and the one that Jesus needs to spread his word would appear to be a superwoman. She alone could not accomplish those jobs 
or come close to that bold, courageous, evangelical, angelic picture we may have here in our minds. But God's given us another promise and another memory verse, Mark 10, 27. And the thing I wanted to be sure in my book that all of the memory verses that I talk about, all of the verses are right there on the page as you're reading it. And Mark 10, 27 says, Looking at them, Jesus said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. Jesus tells us that by ourselves things are not possible, but with God all things are possible. And he gives us the help, like I keep saying, he gives us the help and the power of the Holy Spirit to to help us aspire, as you said, to aspire to become that woman. Lisa, you like to talk about, too, uh, older women and their responsibility passing on uh, these virtues of womanhood to younger women. And you ask a question in your book about, have you ever thought about how you'll be remembered? The thought of passing on those virtues to the next generation. What are your thoughts about the responsibility of women to pass on and to shape and to uh, disciple younger women? Well, Neil, that's just the kind of the purpose of this this book, this Bible study, is to 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 prepare the way for the second coming of Christ. Because I feel that it's not uh, now. I don't want to be one of those people that's you know got you a date and a time. So you know, don't be going and getting some purple tennis shoes and a and a cape or something uh, up on a mountaintop somewhere. I'm not that bad, but. I, I don't feel we're too far away from that. And I, that's sort of the um, burning bush, shall we say, from um, like Moses had that he has put in front of me that I have got to get on the stick and prepare the way for him. I As many people as he puts in my circle of responsibility, um, I pray the prayer of Jabez, um, enlarge my territory, uh, every day, I uh, also add into that. Prepare me for who you put in my territory, Lord. But as as I pray to enlarge my ter- in- enlarge my territory, um, I that is part of my responsibility to go out and tell others, because I don't. I don't, you know, we had this, I was taught as a teenager that there was going to be a big, huge screen in heaven, you know, after we all get to heaven, there's going to be a big, huge screen, and our life is going to show up there, and all the times that we missed out on telling somebody about Jesus is going to flash up on that screen, well, you know, I just thought of a drive-up theater, (laughs) and there we were going to have it. I didn't want to have too many of those flash-ups be up there, (laughs) Um, and I that that's what I want this to be a way that I can help others do that and then sort of pass it on um, and 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 work towards their own family their own community their own you know and just spread it out um, when we're when we're talking about uh, being a child of the king a prince or princess but a princess as we're talking about today there's a thought here, and uh, the Proverbs 31 women, woman uh, makes a very, very high example of uh, the performance of women. 
the thought, though, that it's not actually the Proverbs 31 woman that we're actually modelling ourselves on, but modelling ourselves on Christ, Christ who is the King. As uh, princesses, how do you think princesses look to Christ the King to model their lives on him? Well, I go back to Christ is our bridegroom, and so therefore we're the bride. And, you know, I feel like, I, I feel like Jesus liked weddings. <laughs> His first um, miracle was at a wedding. And I sort of feel like he kind of wraps things up <laughs> with, uh, when he comes back, you know, he, ta- he, he get the bridegroom comes back and, and takes his um, bride, the church, back up for the wedding feast. And so he, he sort of ends with a wedding are you getting my drift on that so i kind of think he's you know he likes to build on weddings and i i love the comparison that i've i've noted in some documentaries of uh the 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 uh weddings back in the back in where the canaanite time of how the bridegroom you know said okay this is the one you know he he did his betrothal and then he went back at, to his father's home, <laughs> to, he, I'm going in. That's what Jesus said he was doing. I'm going back to make uh, to make a place for us. Well, that's what the bridegroom does. So, as the bride, he tells us that we should be getting ready. That we should be as that bride. We should have our lamps <laughs> ready. Uh, you know, uh, we should be like the the parable says. Have your lamps, have your oil in your lamps, have things be prepared. I think that's part of being a nurse, too, of being prepared, having all my uh, equipment ready for a procedure, having my uh, care plan ready, (laughs) you know. Now, yes, uh, there's going to be a a kink thrown in there. Something's going to happen. But if I at least had somewhat of a plan, then I can have a backup plan as well. Um, But... And he tells us that there are um, to to watch the the signs that he gives us. Um, Lisa, to, are you still? Yep. To pattern myself. I, uh, I I thought we lost you there for a moment, but uh, we do no, need to no, wrap no. up I we'll wrap to... up our conversation. Yes. Uh, Lisa A. Saunders, uh, her new book is called Daughter of the King, and for listeners who might want to get a hold of it. Daughter of the King, available from online booksellers. And you can also visit Lisa's website, lisaasaunders.com. So lisaasaunders.com, you can connect with Lisa there. Lisa is on the line with us today from Alabama in the United States. She wants every woman of God to celebrate her adoption as heirs into the family of the Most High King. So it's a different way of talking about a princess, a contrast to the sort of princess that you might have as a fairy tale princess, the sort of princess that God wants you to be as a woman of God. So lisaasaunders.com and the book is called Daughter of the King, available from online booksellers. Lisa, thanks so much for staying up a little later this evening to talk to us because uh, morning here in Australia, where you are, it's uh, it's almost bedtime. But thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today on 2020. 
Oh, no, thank you so much, Neil, for, for having me. No, I have enjoyed this. Now, as you can tell, I'm a true Southerner because I love to talk, honey. Uh, um, and I love to talk about Jesus and, and my faith in Him. So anytime that you want to talk about that, we will grab that glass of tea, and you can grab a cup of tea or whatever, and we, we'll just talk away. <laughs> Lisa, you sleep well in your neck of the woods tonight. And thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you so much. And you have a great, great day, okay? Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.